Good morning, everybody. Truly, it's an honor to be here today to be able to share with you what God has laid on my heart on this beautiful Sunday morning. So excited about what God is doing and about the uh, this day and what this day is set aside to celebrate and honor, uh, which I think truly is probably one of the the best um, man-made celebrations uh, that we have outside of the church. Obviously, I believe that um, Resurrection Sunday is at the top of what we do as the children of God to celebrate God, um, Holy Communion and things like that. But as far as the things that are dedicated to human beings, so to speak, I believe that this day, Mother's Day, is our greatest day of celebration because the greatest gift that God has ever given us is godly women to be our mothers. And I'm so excited and thankful to God for the gift that he has given me in my own mother and then he doubled down because he not only gave me an amazing gift of an amazing woman who would give birth to me and lead me throughout the, the entirety of my life, but then he hooked me up with a woman who would be an amazing woman who would raise my two sons to be outstanding young men because of the phenomenal gift that she is as a mother. So I've got a double portion, and I'm so thankful to God for these amazing gifts uh, that God has given me in my life. And uh, I've sent out some um, Mother's Day uh, celebrate, celebratory text messages this morning to uh, my family that are all mothers, and I honor them and love them, my sisters who are uh, all mothers, and I thank God for that and, and for them. And pray that the Lord bless them and that their children would honor them and bless them today. But um, I also send uh, Mother's Day greetings out to each and every uh, mother out there. And I want you to know that you are an amazing gift from God. And if it hadn't been for you, we wouldn't be here. God gave you the gift to cultivate life, to give birth to life. All man can do is sow some seed. Oh, but what a mother can do, what a mother is capable of doing, taking that seed that is sown, crafting it into a beautiful form of life, and then feeding that life amazing wisdom, amazing knowledge, giving it tenderness and care that fathers cannot do. We're simply incapable of loving our children like mothers love them. And I don't take it for granted the love that I have received from my mother, not to discount the love of fathers for their children or to imply that fathers don't love their children, but the, the love of a mother to her children is different. There is a, a, a powerful connection 
between a mother and their child. And I, I salute you mothers. I, I'm just so thankful to God for you and the gift that God has given you to reproduce life in the earth. Today, I just want to talk to you uh, as briefly as I can. Um, I know that you have so many things um, going on in your life, and there's so many different things that uh, you want to be able to do. Um, so I'm excited about what God is doing for you. And I want to share with you a word from the Lord that will um, give you, hopefully, uh, some encouragement today. We're going to go to the Word of God under the auspices of the courage of a mother because I believe that one of the greatest qualities and traits that mothers possess is courage. And I want to talk a little bit about that today and uh, I'm sure that we'll touch on some other things, but courage I feel and find is foundational in the life of mothers. If you would go into the Word of God to the book of Exodus, the second chapter, I'm going to read for your uh, hearing the first through the fourth verse. The word of the Lord reads, And there went a man of the house of Levi, and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was goodly child, that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could not, not longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. You know, we're going to break this down just a little bit, as you know I try to do. But I want to kind of talk to you briefly about where this all comes from. May 9th, 1941, the United States Congress under the leadership of then President Woodrow Wilson would make a, um, a great decision. They would proclaim the second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. So for all you men out there that have a trouble remembering what the date of Mother's Day is, just remember, it is always the second Sunday of May. You'll never go wrong, you'll never be late, and you should honor them. But they proclaimed this second Sunday in May as Mother's Day. And this, in my estimation, is probably one of the most intelligent decisions that our Congress and President have made. We often hear about the terrible things that women have done to their children over the ages. And uh, the worst things in life seem to always get the news. They always seem to be what everyone wants to talk about. But what we rarely hear about are the great things that women do as mothers. And I think it's important that we touch upon some of these things today. Uh, and I, I definitely send a special um, honor or love today to my wife, the mother of my children, to my own mother, uh, to all the mothers of GMFC, to all the surrogate mothers who have been amazing women in my life, and to all the mothers that are out there today who may be listening to me. Oftentimes, the sacrifices made by mothers goes unnoticed and seemingly 
unappreciated and it becomes very easy to begin to feel and believe that you are not appreciated for all that you are and all that you've done. I want all of the mothers to know that I appreciate what you have done and what you will do as mothers in the future. I know that today I am who I am because of the sacrifices and the grace my own mother has showed me. I also want to encourage you in God's word with a greater description of who you are. In the passage of scripture I read, I want to focus on one of several godly women that we know in the Bible. This woman is the mother of Moses. She was a Levite of the tribe of Levi. She was also a slave of the lowest social rank. She had the lowest position in society imaginable. The parents of Moses were slaves when they got married and being a slave meant that there were some limitations. You were a, a worker. You were abused most often. You were yelled at, mistreated. You were poor. Poverty was your portion. You typically would live in poorly furnished houses or what we call shanties. You would have very few possessions, if any possessions at all, because you had no wealth. You had no opportunity to do what you wanted, but you were always carrying out the will of somebody else. It was difficult for a slave to even better themselves. Moses' mother had no social standing within society. She wasn't a wearer of decent clothes. She had no possession, no rank, no position. She was a slave, a slave of Egypt. She worked in the brickyards or in the fields or as the servant of some wealthy Egyptian at the time. Yet God was going to use this humble mother, this enslaved woman, beyond our very imagination. She would give birth to one of the greatest men who has ever walked upon the face of the earth. Many women today have this feeling that they can't be good mothers unless they have some level of wealth or some certain level of uh, standing in society within uh, the ability to produce or to give things uh, that are natural or um, things that are physical to their children. Our society has trained us to believe that women can't be good mothers unless they have physical things to offer their children. The best mothers in the world, however, understand that true wealth to pass on to children is the wealth of love. Love is the greatest thing that a mother can pass on to her children. It is the most powerful thing that she can pass on to her children. I want you to know that every mother has a purpose. It may not be your purpose to lead millions or to give birth to one who would lead a nation, but you have purpose. You have to embrace this and declare it to yourself. As a matter of fact, if you would just take a second and say it with me, I have purpose. The thing you have to understand is that the enemy knows that you have purpose and the greater your purpose, the greater the challenges you will face because of the greatness of the purpose of God in your life. Moses' mother is a great example to us. 
No matter who you are, God can and will use you. All you have to do is what Moses' mother did. And it really all boils down to this. When you're struggling and don't know what to do, simply believe God and follow after his word. God will always accept you and use you to bless the lives of many throughout the world. God always uses the lowly who truly trust and follow after him. He uses them to confound and to humble those who exalt themselves. Moses' mother was a courageous and righteous woman. At some point, she became pregnant and she gives birth to Moses. Some facts for you. Moses was not her first child. Moses was her third child. You see, Moses' mother gave birth to Miriam, the only sister of Moses. Miriam at this time was obviously a young lady when Moses was born, probably somewhere between uh, 13 and 16 years old. But that was not Moses' only sibling. Moses also had a brother who goes by the name of Aaron. He was three years older than Moses at the time of Moses' birth. The king's law or Pharaoh's law was to drown all newborn boys is what was in effect. But it wasn't in effect during the birth of Aaron. The law was instituted just before the birth of Moses. Imagine for a moment the apprehension of Moses' parents when his mother discovers that she was pregnant. Just imagine the concern that they must have shared, the anxiety, the fear, the uncertainty, wondering what was going to happen if the child was a boy. What would they do? What could they do? Month after month, for nine long months, they would have prayed and wondered, trying their best to figure out what they would do if their child was a boy. You see, there were no ultrasounds. There was no way to take a peek into the belly to find out what was being formed before it came out. And women, I know, it's not actually in your belly. But I thank God today we have the ability to know what it is before it even comes out on the scene. But that's not the case in this time. In this season of writing, at the time of the birth of Moses, they did not know. All they could do was guess. This wasn't the time when they could have a baby reveal party and let everyone know in the stone tablet news that they were going to have a boy. Pop open a balloon that's filled with blue markings to indicate that the birth of this, the impending birth of their child is going to be a boy or any of the other crazy uh, reveal party antics that you see on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media platforms. This wasn't that time. Finally, the day of Moses' birth comes and their worst fears become a reality. A baby boy, Moses, was born. Now watch what his mother did. She did the courageous and the righteous thing. She hid the child for three months. In the scripture, we read the phrase, goodly child, or as the 
New International Version puts it, fine child. This could refer to Moses' physical appearance, meaning that he was a beautiful child, something good to look at, but in my study of Scripture, I find that there was another meaning. This meaning really has to deal not with his physical look to humans, but his presence to God. He was fair in the sight of God. In fact, the Greek actually says in Acts 7 and 20, Moses was fair in the sight of God, which is translated from the Greek text, and estasio to theo. This would seem to be pointing to the true meaning of the statement that I read to you in the opening text. This point is this. Moses' mother was a courageous and righteous woman. When she looked at Moses, God gave her a sense that her child was special. He was a gift, a very special gift from God. God was going to use him and he was and his very life was important to God. And because of this, she needed to demonstrate courage. She needed to do the right thing. She had to save the life of her child. God's purpose for this child was far more important than even the love of this beautiful mother. She wanted to save the child, not only because she loves him, but also because he was a special gift from God. So she would hide Moses for three months. Day after day, week after week, three long months, she hid this child from the authorities, from the neighbors, from everyone who might be a threat. Let someone report this child's presence and the edict of Pharaoh be carried out. She hid the child at the risk of even her own life. Moses' mother was a goodly woman, a godly woman, a righteous woman, a courageous woman. Deuteronomy 5 and 29 says, Oh, that they were such an heart in them that they would fear me and keep all my commandments always that it might be well with them and with their children forever. How many parents see their children as Moses' mother did? How many see them as a gift from God, as a very special and important uh, gift from God? You know, what's different uh, in the world today is that mothers don't look at their children all the time in the best ways. Sometimes children are looked upon as a problem, an inconvenience, an unexpected thing. Let me let you in on a note. Just, just a little side note to give you a little, just a little bit of education. If you're engaging in the action that was created to produce children, don't be surprised if pregnancy follows that action. I'm just saying. It doesn't matter what your precaution is. It doesn't matter what steps you take. Don't get shocked if what you did not want to happen happens while you're performing the act that was created specifically to produce children. Children are a gift of God. They are a blessing of God upon families and especially upon mothers. But how different this world would be if parents would follow the example of the mother of Moses, if parents just simply loved their children, 
just truly loved them unconditionally. If they saw their children as gifts from God and not pains in the behind. If they saw their children as something that was special and important to God. If they did everything they could to protect their children, to protect, to protect them even at the risk of their own lives. If they would just commit their children to God and commit the welfare and care of their children into the hands of God. If parents led their children to trust God, to trust his promises, to study his word. If parents took time to teach their children the word of God, pray with them, help them build a relationship with the one true God. There are two separate and significant declarations that are made in scripture about children. The first is what I've said, children are a gift from God. Genesis 33 and five says, and he lifted up his eyes and saw the woman and the children and said, who are those with thee? And he said, the children which God hath graciously given thy servant. Genesis 48 and nine says, and Joseph said unto his father, they are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. And he said, bring them, I pray thee unto me, and I will bless them. Psalm 127 and 3 says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Isaiah 8 and 18 says, Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. Children are a blessing. They are significant. They are a gift from God. But children have to be taught the word of God, the promises of God, that they might follow after God. Deuteronomy 4 and 9 tells us, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen, and lest they depart from thy heart all the ways of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. It goes on in Deuteronomy 6 and 7 to say, And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. All the opportunities you get, you ought to be imparting the word of truth into the lives of your children. And of course, the most famous Proverbs 22 and 6 Train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Moses' mother was a woman of great wisdom, a woman who planned ahead and trusted God completely. The day would come when baby Moses could no longer be hidden in the house. So his mother had to do something. She had to take action. It's amazing how many people refuse to take action. They say, I'm trusting God, I'm believing in God, but they take no action. Action is evidence of faith. It's believing that in what you are doing, God is going to bless the work of your hands. What could she do to save her child? She had to be wise. She had to work out a plan that was wise. And she had to trust God completely, trust him to use her 
in this plan to save the life of her son. So she, as scripture would say, makes a watertight ark-like basket and she puts Moses in the basket. Then she takes the basket and places it in the river. She places it where uh, the river leads, reeds were. No doubt she knew right where Pharaoh's daughter and probably even other Egyptian officials would bathe and would swim. She knew that Moses could be saved from the edict of the king if some Egyptian official would just find him and have compassion and then take him as their own. So she places the ark in the basket in the Nile River while trusting God to cause an Egyptian authority to find this child and save his very life. She would then send her oldest child, Miriam, to stand some distance and follow the ark as it waddled down the river, keeping watch over him. The point to see is the great wisdom and faith that's demonstrated by Moses' mother. She did all she could and then she trusted God. She trusted him to use her efforts and to bless everything that she had put into play. She laid the best plans that she could lay and then she carried them out. And in the midst of her plans, she trusted God to work out everything to save her child's life. The faith of Moses' mother was so great that she is listed in the great hall of faith in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 11 and 23, by faith, Moses when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. You have to understand, people of God, when situations beyond our control strike us, we need to lay the wisest plans that we can and then carry them out. Romans 8 and 28 says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to to his purpose, you have to take action. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. You have to take action. James 1 and 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. When situations beyond our control strike us, we must trust God. We have to have absolute trust in God to work out our situation, but we have to take action. Psalm 34 and 22 says, The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servant, and none of them trust in him shall be desolate. 37 and 3 says, trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land and verily thou shalt be fed. Psalm 37 and 5 says, commit thy way, thy way, take an action unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass the very thing you are doing. Psalm 118 and 8 says, It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. 
Psalm 125 and 1, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. I can go on and on with scriptures that teach us about the faith that we have in God, but that faith is not a dead faith. Faith without works is a dead faith. But when you apply action to your faith, your belief and trust in God, the very thing you're believing and trusting God for will come to pass because you're moving, operating in that very belief. How many questions and what kinds of questions would flood the tender heart of Moses' mother during this time? We can only imagine the things that could have entered her mind. Questions like, God, why did our precious baby have to be a boy? Why did our family have to live in such a dangerous place and time as this? How did we wind up with such an evil ruler like Pharaoh? How long can we keep hiding our baby before someone finds out and reports us? What is it that I can do to save the life of my child? In the safety of the heart, the believer has a sanctuary where the hard questions of life can be asked of God. It is through prayer that God answers our most perplexing questions, that God meets our deepest needs, that God shows us what to do. Prayer is where faith grows, where life's impossibilities become the solutions of God. Psalm 13, 1 and 2 essentially says, be real with God and God will be real with thee. It goes on to say, how long wilt thou forget me? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Being real with God about your very struggle. Psalm 91 and 15 says, he shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Isaiah 65 and 24, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Jeremiah 29 and 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. Habakkuk 1, 2 through 3 says, O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up strife and contention. It goes on in 3, 17 through 19. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, and labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hinds feet and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. This is what God will do. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find, knock, 
and it shall be opened unto you. You have to abide in God. John 15 and seven says, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what ye will and it shall be done unto you. Moses' mother was a woman who witnessed the sovereign guiding hand of God because the plan that she laid out for the salvation of Moses worked. Moses is discovered by Pharaoh's daughter. She came down to the river and began to bathe. At some point, she notices the basket floating among the reeds and asks one of her servants to wade in and get it. When Pharaoh's daughter opens the basket, the baby immediately begins to cry. This touches the heart of Pharaoh's daughter and she was moved with compassion because of the crying child. She knew that the child was a Hebrew baby. And it is at this very moment that Miriam, Moses' sister, demonstrates the courage of a sister. She walks up and suggests that Pharaoh's daughter have a Hebrew woman nurse the child for her. Would Pharaoh's daughter have kept Moses if Miriam had not had the suggestion? We cannot know for sure, but the compassion that she felt combined with Miriam's suggestion stirs her to take action. Pharaoh's daughter agreed with the suggestion and instructs Miriam to go find a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby boy for her. Oh, what joy as you see the plan of God being uh, played out right before your very eyes. What we thought was the plan of uh, Moses' mother was crafted in the mind of God because Miriam would go and bring the real mother of Moses to the princess so that she could mother and nurse this baby Hebrew boy. It's very clear to see the sovereignty of God, the guiding hand of God through this entire event. God's spirit is hovering all around this small basket and this little baby that's lying in it. Everything worked out for good. The reeds would hold the basket close to the shore, keeping it from floating down the with the current. No crocodiles or passing dogs would come along to threaten the child, looking for an easy meal. Pharaoh's daughter herself, the highest and the most esteemed of women, came to bathe, not just some high-ranking official, the very person who was most likely to feel compassion for a small baby would come. Pharaoh's daughter glances in the right direction at the right time to see the basket. The baby would cry at the right moment, right as Pharaoh's daughter would lift the lid of the basket. This arousal of deep compassion, a compassion deep enough to later convince her father, the king, to let her keep the child, was stirred at that very moment of need. Courage was stirred within Moses' sister, who was just a young girl, courage enough to walk up to Pharaoh's daughter and suggest that she keep the baby as her very own. Moses' mother had prayed and trusted God to save her child and to use him in God's service. And God was doing just what Moses' mother asked. God was looking after and taking care of this baby boy. 
Moses' mother was witnessing the very sovereign and guiding hand of God. She was experiencing just how God works all things out for good to those who truly love and follow after him. You see, we can never forget that God is sovereign. He possesses all power. God can do absolutely anything. Romans 16 and 27 says, To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Mark 9 and 23 says, Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Mark 11 and 24, Therefore I say unto you, What things soever ye desire when ye pray, believe that ye receive them and ye shall have them. Matthew 21 and 22 says, In all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. Luke 1 and 37 says, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Job 42 and 2 says, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Psalm 62 and 11, God hath spoken once, twice have I heard this, the power belongeth unto God. Psalm 115 and 3, but our God is in the heavens. He hath done whatsoever he hath pleased. Isaiah 43 and 13, yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver, that can deliver out of my hand. I will work and who shall let it? You see, the faith of Moses' mother was rewarded. The most that she could have hoped for has now come to pass. She's employed to nurse Moses. When Miriam brings her to Pharaoh's daughter, the princess hires her to look after Moses. Moses' mother was now even getting a wage for taking care of her child. You talk about a double portion. Now not only is she able to nurse her own child, but she's getting some bucks in her pocket to do it. It was during these early years of Moses' life, sitting at the knee of his real mother and father, that he was most likely taught to trust God and to believe the great promises of God to Israel. No doubt having been his nurse, she was allowed to maintain a relationship with him throughout his years in the palace of Pharaoh. She also would have continued to instruct Moses when they were visiting one another. There is a possibility that she was kept in the palace serving Pharaoh's daughter throughout Moses' years in Egypt. Moses' mother saw God work all things out for good. Her son was not only saved, but he's adopted by the daughter of Pharaoh himself under the sovereignty of God. When Moses reached a certain age, his mother took him to the princess and Moses became the son of Pharaoh's daughter. It was Pharaoh's daughter who named the child Moses. The name Moses means I drew him out of the water. Note how God took the evil plan of Pharaoh, twists it and works it out for good. God caused Pharaoh to give food, shelter, and clothing to the very child who was to take the lead in freeing the Israelite slaves, which was the very thing that Pharaoh was trying to prevent. He becomes the instrument of his own demise. Second Samuel 22 and 2 says, And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. 
Psalm 28 and 7 says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him, and I am helped. Therefore my heart greatly rejoiceth, and with my song will I praise him. Psalm 40 and 17 says, But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. Make no tarrying of my God. People of God, it's important that we understand that God is sovereign over all things. It's important for you mothers to understand. It's okay. Take action in the life of your child. Encourage them. Speak to them the ways of God. Teach them the ways of the Lord. For this is your heritage and your right to raise them up in the way that they should go. That when they are old, they will not depart from the very foundation that you have laid. We have to understand no matter how big a building you build, that building can only stand if sure is its foundation. Mothers, you are the foundation builder of your children. Your children's success in this life is evidence of the foundation that you have built in them. Sometimes it looks like maybe your children aren't as successful as you want them to be. This is the promise of God. If you have done what God has declared over your life, he will bless the work of your hands. And the very thing that you've been looking for from God, the very thing that you've been praying to God about for your very children, you shall see it come to pass. No matter how hard the enemy fights against it, God will even turn the enemy into becoming the instrument of the enemy's defeat. That you might know it is the hand of God, the foundation that you built. I salute you mothers today. I thank God for you mothers today. I celebrate you mothers today because we are all what we are today because you mothers are goodly, godly, virtuous women and the first gift from God to each of us. So I thank God for you. I pray the peace, the abundance, and the blessings of God over your life. And I speak prosperity into your hands for the grace that you have been to each of us. God bless you. God keep you. May his face shine upon you and cause you great peace. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Children listening, celebrate your mothers. Honor them. Love on them. I pray the prayer of protection over you right now. That today might be the day, the season where social distancing has become the norm, where the embrace has been removed. 
the ability to demonstrate physically the love that we have as expressed in a hug under the power of the sovereignty of God. I speak to you children today. If you hug your mother, no disease shall transfer one from the other, even if you should be infected. For this is the grace of God over you right now. Hug on your mother. Love on your mother. Trust God, even as I believe, that he shall keep you, that she might know she is a mother that is loved. Have a wonderful day.